Hello and welcome to another episode of Des and Marco. I'm Marco. And I'm Des. Let's kick things off again. Also, this is going to be a lightning quick episode because we're in between Euro 2020 matches and we don't want to miss the kickoff for the next one. Des, what are you drinking? Because of the Euros, I've actually picked a beer which fits mind-blowingly perfectly into what's happening around right now. Okay. So England and Germany are playing or have played depending when you're listening to this actually no have played they have played even in, <laughs> in our present so i would even say even in our reality they've already played but this is an english beer it's from um, the camden town brewery and it's the camden hells and the reason why it's called hells it's because it's a love child between their favorite german beer styles i.e. the helles and the pilsner so they named it Hell's Lager because it's bang on in the middle. So I right. thought, huh, an English beer which pays tribute to their two favorite German styles of lager. Perfect. Camden Hell's Lager. That's mine. What about you? I was far too busy at work to do anything. So I just ran to the supermarket just before this to pick up anything I could find. And I found this beer from a brewery that I didn't know. Dutch, of course. It's called the Bird Brewery. And I've noticed just looking at their website that they have a bunch of beers and they're all named after birds. So this one is called the Rumorige Rodborst, which is the Robin. And it's an American amber. Ooh. Different style of beer. We haven't had amber beers, I think. No. Very well. Cheers. Cheers. Interesting. Let's dive right into the news. There's a couple of interesting pieces of news this uh, this past week. One that I'm actually pretty excited about is, do you know the comic book or the comic strip, Strange Planet? It rings a bell, but you're going to have to remind me. Okay, they're on social media. You might have seen them. I think they're pretty popular. But anyway, there are these daily or whatever comic strips about aliens who live let's say, normal human situations, but they're aliens. So to yeah. them, these situations are alien. Think something something along the lines of what we call getting a tan, they call being exposed to the nearest star, <laughs> right? And they're all kind of like that, like very surreal humor. This past week, it's been announced that Dan Harmon, so the creator, producer, whatever he is, of Community, which we both really liked, and Rick and Morty, which I really like, and the new season's out, and I still need to check check out the, the first episode. Anyway, he got the green light to make an animated adaptation, so like an animated series based on that comic book. Oh, cool. Yeah, there weren't any specific details about release date or anything else like that, but I think it should be fun because Dan Harmon has a very surreal sense of humor which i think fits very well with this style of comic book by nathan Pyle. just a quick side note as we're talking about dan Harmon, do you know who one of his co-creators is for rick and morty who starburns who's that so in community there's like this recurring character of starburns whose only character development is the fact that his sideburns are like stars <laughs> okay 
And apparently he's like a writer or creator or something along those lines. He's actually got a name, but everyone knows him as Starburns. <laughs> okay. And he created Rick and Morty with Dan Harmon. His whole role in Community was apparently quite frustrating because his character became Starburns and it had nowhere to go. It was just Starburns. <laughs> but uh, he's actually quite a clever guy and he came up with uh, Rick and Morty together with other people. But I just thought it was an interesting tidbit for fans of the Community series. Yeah, totally. I guess it's like, I think it was The Office that a lot of the actors in it, like Phyllis and so on, were writers on the show. Yes, she was cast almost on a whim. Yeah, and I think even 30 Rock may, like the the actual writers, that or the actors that play the writers on the show, I think there were actual writers on the show. Never mind. Moving on. I would say the biggest news in tech this past week was the announcement of Windows 11. Yay. Yay. I cannot wait. I mean, I just switched to a Mac. But anyway, basically, the start button is in the middle. But it can be moved. (laughs) Yeah, if you're too overwhelmed by this news, do not panic. You can move it back to the left-hand side. It seems like an iterative upgrade to Windows 10 which is a very good operating system. Microsoft does have a track record of getting one right and getting one wrong. I mean, they went from XP to Vista, which was garbage. Windows 7, which was great. Windows 8, which was bad. To Windows 10, which was great. So um, given their track record, it might be bad, but it looks good. It looks fine. There's a few differences, though, with the whole approach that Windows are taking. We spoke about it before, how Microsoft has switched from being a company which is trying to sell products, as in, we've sold 5 billion copies of Windows. Now, they're not trying to sell Windows. Everybody gets that platform for free. They're trying to sell services and add value through subscriptions. There's been some confusion as to who is actually going to be able to upgrade to Windows 11. Yeah, apparently not all hardwares are going to be able to support it. I understand there's a tool that you can install on your PC that will tell you whether Windows 11 is going to be supported on it or not. I haven't tried it yet, but it's out there. But you bring a super good point about the shift in Microsoft strategy. Like you mentioned, we talked about it a few episodes ago, about how Microsoft's purpose or their mission is to sort of empower everyone to be more productive how they do that is by being everywhere where you are so if you're on a pc if you're on a mac if you're on an iphone if you're on an android you're going to have microsoft products in a way they've stopped making money from windows gone are the days where everyone would have a pirated copy of windows with a code with a 14 character code written on the pirated cd now, like you mentioned, as the upgrades are going to be free if your hardware supports it, because Microsoft anyway is making money from other stuff like subscriptions, like Azure, like Xbox, and so on. There's another interesting shift in their business strategy. It's kind of like direct shot towards Apple and Google. If you're a software producer, they're going to lower the cut to 0% for software in their market store. Yes. All profits will go to the developers. The exception to this is games, but their cut is being publicized as 15%, which is half what Google with Android and what Apple take. Yeah, and this is coming all in the wake of the lawsuit between Apple and Epic. Apple basically 
allows you to sell your software, your apps through the app store. And like Des mentioned, they take a 30% cut. If you buy something through the app store, any in-game purchase or any like additional purchase has to go through the app store itself, meaning Apple will take its cut. That's why, for example, your iPhone Kindle app, you cannot buy books from it. You have to go on the website and buy it because otherwise Amazon would have to give a cut to Apple and they don't want to do that. Epic Games, so the makers of Fortnite, tried to get around this by making purchases via the the app store, making them more expensive. So kind of to encourage gamers to buy it directly via Epic. This upset Apple a little bit, and there was a whole lawsuit. Microsoft is going the completely different direction, saying that we'll host your, your app or your movie or your game or whatever on, our, on the Windows Store, which they hope to bring on other stores as well. So, for example, they've invited Steam to be part of the Windows Store. And yeah, the, the big shift this time is that 100% of the revenue, with, the, with some exceptions, goes directly to the developers, which is pretty huge. It's pretty huge, and it's hopefully going to translate into more competition on the markets, but also for better deals for consumers because of the lower cut that these essentially monopolies are taking yeah. and a better revenue for the developers. On a similar note, it's not only Epic, but it's also every single music streaming service who have pulled together and have taken Apple to court for Apple Music because of the unfair advantage they have on the iOS platform. Apple pays itself 30%, so it doesn't pay itself 30%, whereas Spotify and all the other music services have to give a 30% cut for any subscriptions which go through the app, which is obviously a detriment to them. Exactly. This will be massively motivating for developers because they know they can just put their newly developed app on the Windows Store or the Microsoft Store, and they get all of the revenue from it. Another interesting thing was that Android apps are coming to Windows. So in an effort to fight the increasingly popular Chromebooks, you're going to be able to run Android apps on your Windows via the Amazon store. I think Google hasn't quite (laughs) been consulted on this, but yeah, you can run your Android apps now. That is not in the realm of Google's authority. One of the things that maybe Google regrets is that Android was obviously taken from Linux and Linux is open source and Android is an open source platform. Google, I think, regrets this because everything around it, like the Gmail and the Google services and lots of other sides of it are not open source. But for example, remember Huawei was banned from using any American company, but they can still use Android because it's open source, like nobody owns it. Yeah, yeah. Which is how Amazon have got their own store using Android apps, because to develop for Android is open source. Nobody can stop you from doing that. It doesn't belong to anybody. Yeah, I've got a Surface Go. It's a little machine. It's perfect for what it's designed to do. But when you buy it out of the box, it's got that, in my opinion, borked version of Windows, like Windows 10S. Oh yeah, the one that you can't, you can't really do anything on it. Yeah, and Microsoft's cloud book, I think they're calling it, is essentially going to be limited to Windows 10S. So they really want to enrich the app ecosystem because as it stands, it's pretty poor. Yeah, and that's sort of been the plague of Windows or let's say of the lesser versions of Windows is the fact that they can't run much stuff compared to iOS or 
iPadOS and Android, their equivalent of the App Store is really crap. The strength of Windows has always been that you can install anything you want on it. Yeah. But if you get one of these lower power devices, not many developers are on board with Microsoft's Microsoft Store, like their App Store. They expect you to go directly to the source. Yeah. And Windows allows you to do that. Whereas if you try to install something on an app, sorry, on Apple, they actively tell you like this isn't a trusted source and they make it difficult for you to install. Whereas Windows has never done that. Yeah, which Apple calls quality control or the fact that they need yeah. to review the app. But it's a disincentive for you to install from other sources. Yeah. And finally, I think the whole messaging around this new Windows is the, the most interesting thing is how, I would say, inclusive it is. There were interviews of Satya Nadella saying that they'd love to host iMessage on Windows. They love their partners, Apple and their partners, Google, and they would love to have everyone in one big happy family on their Windows store. That's not how Apple operates, but that's interesting that uh, Windows is going in this direction. And I think it'll be good for the consumer. I agree. But don't you find this is kind of very passive aggressive? Opportunistic? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but it just seems very weird that Microsoft out of the blue is uh, very much like, we are friends with everyone. Yeah, we love everyone on our store and we won't take a cut like those other ones. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> passive aggressive. And they're taking advantage of what's going on these days. Agreed. To recap, it's going to be free for existing Windows 10 users, but check if your hardware supports it. It's going to start rolling out this holiday season. Talking about holiday seasons, this is both news and hype. We all know that in this pandemic year, pretty much every movie which was expected to be released has been postponed. One of the movies which was due to come out in 2020 was the reboot of Dune. The sci-fi series is very popular. It's a very expansive universe, very detailed universe with several very big books <laughs> dedicated to the sci-fi thing. I have not really read them. I'm familiar with the story. I am familiar with the original movie, which has kind of become a cult classic, which flopped at the time when it was released. Okay. But the reason why I was quite hyped about this one is because it's being directed by Denis Villeneuve who's the guy who directed Arrival and Blade Runner 2049. Oh, that's great. Exactly. And the cast on paper seems epic. It's full of those faces that you recognize and you're like, that guy's really good, but then you can never remember the names. For example, uh, Josh Brolin is in it. Dave Bautista, who was also in Blade Runner yeah. uh, 2049. Uh, Jason Momoa is in it. Javier Bardem, the Oscar winner, is in it. Oscar Isaac, I see. Yeah, so it's got a, an amazing cast, like a good yeah. cast. And it's done by someone whose sci-fi credentials are really good, because Arrival is fantastic. I haven't seen it. It's really, really, really good. Okay. It's got Jeremy Renner. Yes. And okay. is it Amy Adams? Sure. But it's really good. It's a bit trippy. It turns the, the trope of aliens coming to Earth for the first time on its head. All right. The aliens kind of like just appear. The main character, Amy Adams, is a linguist expert or something, and she's trusted with trying to communicate with these aliens okay. who communicate via symbols. And slowly, slowly, she starts to learn the language, and that's pivotal for um, basically their survival or whatever. I don't want to give too much away, but it's pivotal in explaining the timeline of the movie. Right. So it's a really good movie, and I've digressed. 
But my point was, Denis Villeneuve is a great sci-fi director. I've seen the trailer for the Dune movie. It looks really good. So I was really hyped. And the news bit of it was that it was meant to come out at the beginning of October, but it's been postponed again till the end of October. So I can deal with that. (laughs) Yeah, I hope you can manage these like three extra weeks. I used to remember, I used to play way back in the dawn of PC video games, or maybe not the dawn dawn, but all right, mid-morning. The Dune 2. Do you remember that one? Have you ever played it? I've never played it, but being interested in the Dune universe, I've seen loads of YouTube videos. Right. It was meant to be, I think, a sequel to the movie, because it was called Dune 2, and there was never a Dune 1 video game. And it was a real-time strategy. It was the game that Westwood Studios made before Red Alert. And I used to have it, and I don't know, I was like nine, and I didn't understand what I had to do, so I just played it very badly. I know we have like a little sort of script, but can I interrupt and go on another little rant? It's a segment now. Last week it was Instagram conspiracy theories. Yeah. And this week it's what? This week is a follow-up to my rant of two weeks ago. So you'll remember I spoke about the Lay's or what are they called in the UK? Walkers. Or Walkers, chips, crisps that were KFC flavored. So before I was watching the game, there's no better moment to have chips. This time I went for the Pizza Hut ones, the Pizza Hut Margarita. It just doesn't take like, taste like pizza. I'm so disappointed. No, but like make it taste like pizza. I, I mean, and I know because I had pizza like right before. But, <laughs> but, but I'm so disappointed. Like don't call it. They're not bad. But they're not pizza. I mean, it's not like Pizza Hut has a specific flavor, but it tastes like something. I can't quite understand what. They're not bad. I would have them again. But it's just, this is false advertising. Like, stop calling it pizza when it's not. Just like, stop calling it chicken. Like, when it's not. Don't buy them. We should not be supporting this kind of marketing. Tune in next time when I review the Subway Chicken Teriyaki ones. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. End of rant. Go on, Des. As I was saying, we spoke about Dune and how it's being postponed and how it's been a terrible year for cinema. However, things are picking up. Right now in the cinemas in 2021, and if you're listening from the future and you're probably watching Fast and Furious 500, Fast and Furious 9 has done really well in the box office, to the point where everyone's saying it saved the cinemas. And I heard it's good, I mean, for being a Fast and Furious movie. I heard it's just what you expect from a Fast and Furious movie, which is fine. If that's what you want, it's fine. Yeah, Uh, have you seen all of them? I stopped when Paul Walker died, just by the fact that I outgrew them. Okay, I watched all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like it's family? (laughs) Yeah, my brothers. Okay, anyway... I wanted to talk about A Quiet Place 2. I don't know if you've watched it. No, I haven't watched A Quiet Place 1 either. Oh man, you're missing out. It's really good. It's not groundbreaking. It's not masterful cinema. It was literally postponed the day the pandemic broke. They premiered it and it was due to come out that weekend after the premiere. Okay. Everything got shut down and they made the decision to stop distribution. Okay. It's now been released in the cinemas, and it's done very well for itself. The first one was really, really good, because a bit like Wally, 
the first half hour, 40 minutes are in complete silence. Okay. And it's so atmospheric. The premise is that we don't quite know why, but the world has been invaded by these monsters, which are essentially unkillable. Their skin is like rock hard, they're fast. And humanity has learned that they are attracted to sounds. So as long as humans are quiet, they can survive. But it's essentially against our nature to live completely quietly. The story progresses from there with the star of the show being uh, John Krasinski in the first one. That's the one with him and his wife. I can't remember his name. Emily Blunt? Yes. She's in it, right? Yeah, she is in it. And she's in the second one as well. So spoiler alert. John is actually in both, but something happens to him in the first one. No spoilers, but spoiler. (laughs) I mean, major spoilers, but okay. The key story plotline of the series is that their daughter is deaf, so she communicates by sign language, and they all know sign language, which kind of puts them at a bit of an advantage. Yeah. But her being deaf is integral to the storyline because things happen. Anyway, the sequel develops the story and they ob- they have to leave the safety of their um, of their home following the events of the first movie and it's got Killian uh, Murphy in it who's also a very good actor yeah. who really straddles that line between is he evil is he good we don't quite know he has that face yeah that i might kill you i might save you yeah maybe we're friends maybe i hate you maybe i'm plotting maybe i'm helping <laughs> anyway really good just in general, I'm so happy for John Krasinski because he's obviously relatively new to this, but he's done a really good job. And one of the key things which I really liked about the sequel, which apparently he didn't want to write, he was kind of manipulated into writing it. Okay. They approached him and said, look, the first one was incredibly successful. You've got to make a second. And he was like, no, you've seen how it ended. I can't do that. Okay, fine. But what would you do if you were going to write one? Fine. I will think of a few things. All right, I'll build that other wing on my mansion. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, just like that, damn it, I'm writing the movie now, aren't I? (laughs) Okay, he got scammed into writing it. He got scammed into making more money. No, it's it's really good. And it focuses more on the, the daughter this time. And one of the really nice things is that the sound editing, as you would expect from a movie called The Quiet Place, is really good. Okay. The scenes I really liked were the ones that you see from the point of view of the daughter, because the sound shifts from, oh, there's a disaster movie, to I can't hear anything, but I can see what's happening, and I can sort of sense the vibrations, because they've done the sound really, really well. Oh. After the premiere, the mother of the daughter, and the actress in real life is also deaf, so she's not just acting deaf. Okay. The mother apparently was crying because she said that she now feels as if she can understand what her world is like. Wow. Pretty deep stuff. Yeah. In general, John Krasinski is a very likable guy. If you guys like podcasts, such as this one, but not quite as good, the BBC (laughs) has um, a good podcast on their sounds app, I think. Mark Kermode is their cinema reviewer, and he does an interview with John Krasinski, and it's just a very good listen, so I would recommend that. John Krasinski's also played, in my opinion, a pretty positive part in the pandemic response by creating a YouTube series called Some Good News, where he just has some fun and highlights a lot of the good which was happening in the world. Just an all-round heartwarming sort of thing. Oh, that's nice. He keeps himself busy. A while back, like a few years ago, he created and produced this 
very silly show called Lip Sync Battle. Have you seen it? Yeah, I didn't realize he created it. It's his. Yeah, yeah. And he he was even on it for a couple of episodes, I think. So in a nutshell, what that show is, is two famous people compete against each other in a lip sync battle, which basically means you act like you're singing a song, but you're not actually singing it. So it's all about like the costumes and making a fool out of yourself. I remember, I don't know, Anne Hathaway did um, Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus, I want to say. Stephen Merchant did a hilarious one about from Christina Aguilera, where he was dancing all, trying to dance all sexy. It was really funny. It was a really good show. I think it's still going on, by the way. It's one of those things, if you ever work night shifts, that you will find yourself inevitably just going down that rabbit hole of seeing all the celebrities and what song they've picked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. Okay, Marco, just because we have our little script here, there's something that we've postponed now for four <laughs> or five weeks. Yeah. So I say we just address it and get it out of our system. Let's rip the band-aid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I am no longer able to do a, a good review because now I've seen it so long ago, I barely <laughs> remember this movie. But anyway, on Amazon Prime... One evening, I was looking for something to watch and ended up watching this movie called Promising Young Woman. And wow, it's really good. And that's the end of that segment. (laughs) Okay, now. (laughs) No, so super quickly, the story is this 30-something med school dropout played by Carrie Mulligan, who, by the way, is really, really good in it. You see that life didn't quite go according to plan. Again, a med school dropout, she lives with her parents, she works in a coffee shop. You get the feeling that her life isn't really going as she as she had originally planned. As the movie goes on, you find out that she had suffered a pretty traumatic experience. And then the whole movie kind of becomes about her seeking revenge for it. I'm not going to spoil what the experience was and how she tries to have revenge. It's vaguely humorous, like it's very dark humor. I'm sighing here because I completely disagree. There's uh, there's some dark humor bits. But what I liked about it is it's so different than anything else. Like, it's such a fresh story. Like, you can't compare it to anything else I've watched. I agree with that. More than fresh, I would say it's very, maybe even brash. It tackles some very uncomfortable topics. Yeah, for sure. That are also pretty... Current. They are relevant. I think we've all seen or witnessed or heard of similar events. This is obviously taken to a, a more drastic degree. It's not a happy movie. And if you mm. think you're going to watch a movie about a promising young woman, you are not watching the right movie. Yeah, exactly. Like the main character was a promising young woman and then things happened and she, you know, things don't go according to plan. A game that I play is try to guess what's going to happen. And this movie keeps you guessing the entire time. It's not a predictable movie. You can't quite guess where it's going to end up. The movie, from a certain point of view, is quite realistic. You cannot expect it to follow Hollywood norms. There isn't a typical happy ending. Just maybe like in reality, bad things happen and the film addresses them in a very realistic manner, in a manner that you can probably relate to and appears real, but feels uncomfortable on screen because we're always used to like justice triumphing and 
that sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas this yeah, yeah. really exposes the injustices and which are real. Yeah, that would be a very good way of putting it. You know, I think it has good acting, great directing, an interesting use of color even because there's a big contrast with the themes. The themes are dark, like you said, they're very uncomfortable and not easy to to talk about, but the colors are all like pastel colors and the whole you look at the movie and it seems like a happy movie. Then you watch the movie and it's a completely different thing. I completely agree. One thing which I thought was very well done and I suspect it was probably done on purpose is that there's a lot of male characters in the movie who are portrayed by actors which have historically always been portrayed as good guys. There's the guy, is it Adrian Brody, who I remember from The Orange County? Skinny guy, a bit nerdy, a bit geeky. You'll definitely recognize him. Yeah. There's the McLovin from Superbad. Oh, okay. He's one of the guys in the movie as well. Okay. And I don't want to give away the storyline, but essentially there's a lot of male characters which are usually portrayed as good guys. You'll recognize their face, the faces the moment you see them. Yeah. But the characters aren't that squeaky clean. Yeah, exactly. Even Alison Brie is in it. Yep. Again, portrayed always as a very innocent, good character, and she's not squeaky clean. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Honestly, for, what is it, an hour and a half, two hours, it's also pretty short. It didn't feel like you were wasting your time watching it, or that I was wasting my time watching it. It's a fresh story, tackles current and relevant themes. I actually really, really like it, and I recommend it. Also, it was nominated for Academy Awards for Best Picture Director, Lead Actress, Original Screenplay, which it won. And it's out on Prime, so if you're bored one evening... I highly recommend it. Please go into that, bearing in mind that it's a super serious movie. It is very good, but you need to be prepared. It might be worthwhile reading up about it so you know what you're getting yourself into. That's my final warning. Yeah, it's not the kind of movie that you can just kind of put in the background and while you're doing something else, you need to first pay attention and second, you kind of need to be in the mood for it. And then watch something happy afterwards, please. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like Lip Sync Battle. (laughs) Exactly. Speaking of happiness, how is your beer, Des? My beer is exactly what I expected it. It's described as a lager. It's described as being the love child of a Helles and a Pilsner-style beer. I would agree in their description that this is a clean, crisp, and dry beer. It's exactly what you would expect from a lager. It's done well. The brewer is not particularly small or independent anymore. It's now owned by AB InBev, which is a huge company. Yeah, they own all the beers. Yeah, they own pretty much everything, including Budweiser. The beer is fine. It's not out of this world. I'm going to give it a middle of the road, three out of six. (laughs) All right, three out of six. Not great, not terrible. How about you? So my bird-themed beer, the Robin, which I'm... Definitely not going to try to pronounce again in Dutch. As a reminder, it's an American amber. I do not know what differentiates an American amber from a regular amber, but they describe it as a fresh, fruity, slightly hoppy amber ale. It says, expect a scent full of grapefruit, tropical fruits, and light caramel notes. I would say that's pretty accurate. It's a little bit bitter. But overall, despite not being a huge fan of ales, I quite like it. So let's say four out of six. That's pretty decent. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's pretty good. 
So I'm looking forward to trying out all the birds from this bird brewery. So in summary, guys, we have spoken about quite a lot today without even expecting it. Yeah. A quick reminder that Dan Harmon, the creative community in Rick and Morty, is planning to adapt a very famous and quirky comic book for Apple TV. So that could be interesting. We had a quick chat about the complete shift in mindset and business strategy of Windows and Microsoft who are making Windows 11 a free update, which is a little bit different to all its previous editions. And hopefully it will break the cycle of one good and one bad Windows release. Hopefully. We are then hyped about the revival of cinema and quickly spoke about the Dune movie, which is planned with a huge big budget reboot. And we finally got round to reviewing A Quiet Place 2, which has hopefully revived the box office. And a review of Promising Young Woman, which was uh, one of the surprise hits at the Oscars this year. I think that's it in a nutshell. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. 